When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Ran into some women this morning who uh, couldn't find any food. Uh, they saw me with uh, Nutter Butters. I got a little snack bag of Nutter Butters for later, and they're like, oh, did you find your daily rations? Uh, <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, for later, but I've done okay so far. And they're like, oh, we couldn't find any, anywhere to eat last night. So I gave them the name of three or four places we know will be open. And they were, like, thanking me profusely, like I was their guide in the Iditarod. <laughs> So I'm I'm happy to be helping this. I welcome them to Nashville. Southern hospitality for me. Who would have ever thought of it? We uh, last night I was just kind of roaming through the hotel uh, b- before we went to dinner, checking things out. Before and there's we went a to lounge, a very bad dinner. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a lounge area uh, that was uh, had like a little bar behind it, but it was people watching USA Network watching the events happening at Bridgestone Arena Down with figure skating. And let me tell you. You've never seen a wild watch party until you see a bunch of ladies watching figure skating <laughs> and getting into it. I mean, the discussions that were taking place, one of them had some sort of, it looked like a watermelon martini that she was drinking. The other two ladies had their red wine sitting on a couch watching the big screen. And uh, I was getting an education in figure skating. I mean, it was that this move, this move she's about to do here. This is beautiful. If she can land this, this is a beautiful move What's it beautiful? with jump. And, and then I, they were clapping once she did it. So apparently she, it was beautiful and she landed it. I mean, I don't mind watching figure skating during the Olympics when it's a big thing. My thing is, though, if you've done four revolutions, like we're never going to evolve into a species that can do five revolutions, right? I don't know. So we've kind of maxed you out say that now. on like the, what we can accomplish. So I, I have problems with sports where we've, we've topped out. Well, we thought that, but didn't Simone Biles uh, do like five different things that no one else yeah, has ever it, done? They named, them, they named it after her, right? right? But like they were naming tricks after her because she was doing things that had not been right. accomplished before. But now, will people be able to top? When's the next time somebody takes what she's done and does more than that is, is kind of my question on those sports. There are two times which that are I like. breathtaking at times. There are two times that I will watch figure skating and I like yeah, figure skating. That is the Olympics and uh, Blades of Glory with Will Ferrell <laughs> as Chaz Michael Michaels. That 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 film really got well, me. Well, I like the one where the skating. hockey player Underrated turns into that a movie figure is skater. Will Forte. I'm not not Will Forte. Um, oh gosh, uh, from Arrested Development, and I'm blanking on his name now. With the really deep voice, he plays the. It's the brother sister. It's Amy Poehler. They play yes. a brother sister figure skating duo. Uh, now it's going to kill me. I'll, like, I'll find it. I, I like, love the actor. Uh, is it Ice Castles where the hockey player has too many concussions and he turns into a figure skater? Cutting edge. And what's the girl in that? That's yeah. <laughs> She's Attractive. excellent. I thought that, Will that was Arnett. an Academy. Oh, Will Arnett. I thought yeah. that was Academy Award winning caliber performance by her, but I can't remember her name. 
Moira Kelly, maybe? That, that sounds right. Who went on to, to be in the West Wing and other TV dramas. I kind of like the idea Cutting of us edge. just doing a show where we just try to figure out the name of an actor. <laughs> 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 Will <laughs> Forte? No. No, no. Will, no. Will, Will, Cutting Will. Edge was 1992. I mean, that's, that's crazy old. Coming up, Did you Bobby, find the actress, Bobby Carpenter will be uh, on the show with us. That's coming up in an hour and a half, roughly. 320 Sweeney Central. and Moira Kelly. Yep. You it's got it, you nailed film. it. D.B. Sweeney. Brent Hubbs and Austin Price on today at 5 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Central. Looking forward to talking with them about uh, Tennessee football and uh, moving forward with momentum. I mean, a, a lot of things to be on the lookout for with Tennessee football. And we'll discuss the Music City Bowl. Big topic about the Music City Bowl. Lessons learned from... uh, Look, I don't think there are many bowl games that you can take out certain things and say, you know what? There are aspects of this that will carry over. Chad's been running through some of those all week, and we'll get to the Music City Bowl aspect of that for Purdue and Tennessee. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, The Week 18 headlines for the NFL. Lamar Jackson is out. So he's going to miss his fourth consecutive game for Baltimore. And they do have a slight chance to make the postseason. But it is dire with the way they've been playing. Four of their uh, last five losses, by the way, have been by a combined five points. Yeah, well, they had two two two-point conversion failures at the end of games that really took care of business. Imagine if they had won those two games. I mean, it, You're right. this has been yeah. a lot of the analytics in the debate late in the year, but they'd be sitting pretty at Harbaugh. Um, and, and Mark Andrews, I, I don't know if he was the target on both of those. I know he was the target he was on, on one both. of them yeah. where the throw was a little bit little bit behind him, but we also felt like maybe he could have stopped the ball in the air and, and then caught it and, and run into the end zone. I mean, if you're a Ravens fan, you've got to be really, really disgusted with the way the season's panned out. But also, Lamar Jackson's inability to stay healthy um, – you know, with the ankle, with COVID, with illness. Um, I mean, that guy caught every back. bug imaginable, yeah. I, I feel like. He's it's very a really bad luck uh, year for him. But, but you're right. I know that, that's been an issue but for look, him. The formula for any team, you're going to get hurt. If you suffer a rash of injuries at one position, you're dead. Yes. They suffered it at running back, and they sustained some life there for a while. Then they suffered it at, at cornerback. If you suffer a, a rash of injuries at a single position in two different positions, you're, you're, there's no way you're going to win. And as good as the Ravens are organizationally, they prove that. You know, give me a team next year. Give me that they are decimated at two positions. No matter how good they are, they're not going to win. Look, I, I think, uh, speaking of winning and losing, I think Vrabel is going to win coach of the year. I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. A coach that's not been mentioned, Paul's talking about injuries and rash of injuries. Sean Payton with the Saints. They have started four different quarterbacks, and they are 8-8 eight and eight right now. That is crazy to me that in this league, you can go through the gauntlet of quarterbacks that they've gone through and be a 500 team. That's really good coaching. Yes. And on top of that, Alvin Kamara missed like three or four games. Yep. I mean, that is the fact that they're 500, when you look at that team, that is strong coaching. And even he, was, he missed a game due to COVID. He did well a very done good by job. Sean Payton, who's not getting many mentions for that. He's done a very good job. And I've, I've never been all the way on the Sean Payton bandwagon for, for some reason. But 
I undervalue him uh, as a coach for for sure. There's talk. There's rumor. The rumor mill with him, Paul, is that he could leave and go to another team this offseason. Traded. Yeah, like I think Chicago was mentioned there. Chicago would be wise to give up things for him. So remember, there was talk. Up? There was talk. I don't, I don't, I don't know think about that, but I, it would be like some sort of trade. trade. And there was talk of Dallas trading for him. Yeah. Um, I think just last year, McCarthy was is in his first year or his second year. Uh, McCarthy's in his second year now. Yeah, there was talk two years ago about Dallas potentially trading for him, and we know he's got uh, a house in Dallas because he went to Dallas, didn't he, during his suspended year? I think that's right. Yeah, um, from from Bounty Gate. Yeah, he well, signed. He signed through twenty twenty six. Peyton is yeah. with the Saints. You I mean, also you can, wonder if um if if the Saints would be a player for either Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson if there's a possible trade instead of trading your coach trade for one of those two guys and pair them with Sean Payton. Well, uh, I've heard Russell Wilson mentioned with the Saints. Yeah, as, I don't as know a why the Saints spot. would yeah. be willing to deal your best commodity, uh, which is a coach that's gotten you to 8-8 eight and eight with, with Ian Book having to play. Um, I, I think, you know, that might sound nice, but, you know, and, and maybe you're promoting. Who are you promoting? Pete Carmichael, who's been – you know, his right-hand man, if you feel like, I don't know, I wouldn't do it. So here's why I think Vrabel's going to win coach of the year. Because of the bandwagon aspect of the media and the voters. And I'm going to give an example of this. Who's lighting the, the, the well, fuse? Well, so let's go through kind of the storyline of this award of the season. We went through October and November and the storyline was Bill Belichick was going to win coach of the year, right? And then they fell off. And then it moved, it moved around a bit. It moved around to, okay, well, Bill Belichick's not going to co- win coach of the year. Matt LaFleur is going to win coach of the year. Last week, and really the last two weeks, all of a sudden Joe Burrow has caught fire and Zach Taylor is now, Zach Taylor's going to win coach of the year. I, I believe the Titans, when they lock up home field advantage in the number one overall seed this week, Brable's going to start getting much more mentions for coach of the year because the people are going to realize what they did without Henry and the fact that Henry's back. And then they dive in a little bit more with what they did without a number of players throughout the season. I think Brable's going to win it right at the end because... He's going to have the number one team in the AFC despite playing, what, 88 different players throughout the season, a record number of players. Paul, I don't know if you agree, but I think that momentum and the way that this thing swings every other week, I think at the end, Vrabel's going to get all the attention. I think it's entirely possible. I just uh, I don't know who lights the fuse for the uh, attention, you know, and how it swings. So... Like you said, that Joe Burrow swung it towards Taylor, Zach, Zach yeah. Taylor. So what happens in this game or in the storylines of this week that swings it towards Vrabel? I think there needs to be a little well, tinder but I think for the, that. But the thing that could swing it is you're going – when I say you. like When you finally every, look at the, it the, on the, paper. The, everyone covering the league will be discussing the Tennessee Titans as the number one overall seed. See, I think right, and that they're not re- the storyline this week was is is kind of oh look at the Titans they're the worst number one seed we've ever seen, and look at the analytics, um, and I, I think once they actually lock it in, 
I think people are going to have to give them a bit more respect and acknowledgement for what they've accomplished. See, I'll, I'll go the other way here. Well, they've already, a little devil's advocate. They've already burned the, the tinder on the worst number one seed. Right. They need another Well, they've burned line. the tinder on the worst number one seed, and so what will happen now is they're going to go right to wild card matchups, and they're going <laughs> to skip right past the Titans being the number one seed. <laughs> Maybe. They're not going to discuss it. I, I don't know how you don't look at this situation uh, yeah. and not isn't vote that, Vrabel. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, but isn't it possible yeah. what I'm saying? The Titans, NBC will put up the seed board, <laughs> and Steve Karnacki's going to talk about the chances of, uh, look at look at what uh, Cincinnati did to get the third seed That's, here, and look at how the Chargers got in with their low odds, and then they're going to start talking about the best first-round matchup. And the Titans aren't going to be talking about it at all. Maybe, to- totally believable. Maybe, but I, again, like I don't, if you're now, if Peter King's column has a high item about the job that Vrabel did, that'll be big. Or Albert Breer, or if Florio does something big on it, that's the kind of thing you're talking about right. because these guys all and there's some women they, in there. They, they all follow. In. You know, these guys have way too much power in terms of of leading the tug of war or lead, well, the, leading the, it, the Really, it's the not rope. even just mentioning It's someone doing the homework. And laying out and the case. Lay out the case. And then when you read through it and you see it. You go, oh, yeah. Oh, of course he's yeah, got to be coach of the year. Why wouldn't I vote for Ray? I mean, it, it, look at all the players that they went through and the fact that they won 11 or 12 games and they're, they're number one in the AFC despite everything that they went through, losing their best player. Get that 88 number. Right. Up, get the how well they've done without Henry up on somebody's radar. And Vrabel doesn't and care about it, but yeah. he absolutely should. No, like this is a deserving. huge, it's a huge honor, and, and Titans fans will eat it up, and and it would be big for him. I think he's the coach of the year. I think he deserves it. I think he should win it. I also believe that media members, like we said, that vote on these things tend to follow the pack. Yes, and the lovable darling is Cincinnati. And Zach Taylor. Well, that, the, that to me is the biggest hindrance to Vrabel to is me, that for whatever reason, everyone loves the Cincinnati story. They love Burrow. They I, love that. And I, I, I understand guys, that more than Don't you guys don't get though. the sense, Hutton, that media just doesn't like talking about the Titans. They bore them. Yes. It's one of those, like, I just wish they weren't good so we didn't have to talk about yeah, them. They also yeah, tend yeah. to be a it's year late. It's almost like they're angry that they have to talk the about Lafleur the Titans. The LeFleur thing is a year late. Like, oh, Stefanski was really good last year, but so was LaFleur. And now look at the three-year – it'd be a three-year award. Yeah, and that they're, they're kind of lumping everything together by saying, look what the Packers were doing. They were a, pretty much a 500 team right before LaFleur got there. And a little bit of the – look how they salvaged the whole Aaron Rodgers off-season disaster. And once he showed up, the coach managed to tie the team together – and none of all of that offseason stuff had any bearing on their football performance whatsoever, which I do think is a very worthy coaching accomplishment. I mean, I think he has done a hell of a job with that. Think of the mess that Gutenkust and Rodgers had. It's and all LeFleur fair. was outside of that doing the football coach thing. That's very good work. doesn't make him the best, but it makes him very good. It's, a, it's all fair, and I, I'm not trying to be the homer sitting in Nashville looking at Vrabel and saying he's – He's going to win because, you know, we're, we're here. We just know the storyline here. And comparing this storyline, and w- w- by the way, we also pay attention to the rest of the league. And knowing the storyline here, which is, uh, so l- let's compare briefly. The storyline in Tampa 
is going into the postseason, people are listing off the wide receivers that Tom Brady is going to be throwing to. And those guys who you don't know are about to become household names. That's the description of the Titans wide receiving core right now. Julio Jones hasn't done anything. And A.J. Brown's been banged up. They've been throwing to Nick Westbrook, Aquina, and others. And then those others got hurt, and they had other guys step in. Meanwhile, Derrick Henry went down, and they got two guys off the street in Week 8. And they're still, since that point, the fourth-best rushing offense in the National Football League. And their defense went from practically worst to a top-10 overall group. I don't know how you don't look at the situation and think, the guy has coached his tail off. And he's this year, he's truly deserving of the award compared to the others that are being considered. And also, Zach Taylor's he, a great story. I, th- I think what they've done in Cincy is awesome. I mean, outside of the month of December, this is the first year that they have won outside. Uh, they've won a division game outside of the final month of the season when other teams are resting players. I mean, that's how remarkable the season's been. They've gone on the road and won a bunch of games early, and it set them up to win their own division. Great, great job by Taylor and and the roster and getting everything going there. They're they're a really strong team, but they've also had the majority of their horses going throughout the season, and this team here hasn't. And if you're one of the media members that doesn't want to put the Titans in a group that could win a Super Bowl or doesn't want to talk about them as a top contender then you should vote for Mike Vrabel for Coach of the Year even more that they're in the number one spot. Because what you're saying is their team's not all that good, and yet they're yet the number they're one there. seed. That's a great coaching Am job. I way offline by saying, it's a to me, it's a no-brainer? Or do you think that... I, 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 think, I, I think, think the discussion you could cast is, a vote. is Zach Taylor to me. I think I, you I think could cast a vote for Taylor and not be unreasonable. Yeah. But with LeFleur, there's an argument to be had. Lafleur or Vrabel. I think is Lafleur is more of a three-year vote, and I, I don't understand why people like... I think the people who have trouble making it a one-year award, I I don't really understand. So Lafleur's coach of the year for maintaining exactly what they did last year, and and right or wrong, I see Aaron Rodgers as the head of that team. Yeah, he's going to win MVP. That's right. right. I mean, it's but I, I just think LaFleur's even from, done a hell of a job. But yeah, but it's it's to me that's Aaron Rodgers' offense. Even you know, it's like. Being Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator, well, what does that mean? But that, that's one of my that's one of my predictions for Monday. Black Monday, we're going to be just discussing a lot of coaching changes, and then I think the media is going to jump on board with Vrabel as long as the Titans go to Houston and win, and, and, uh, because of just how the storyline is playing out and the acknowledgement. Maybe Paul's right. Maybe they immediately jump to the wild card matchups and they discuss the Bengals and who they're going to be playing, but. I think it's very hard to ignore the number one overall seed. For all the attention Green Bay is going to get, how can you overlook the Titans right across the table? That's that's all. I, I think Vrabel wins it because of the storyline. The other question I would have is, who does Hub Arkish think is a jerk <laughs> as a coach that he won't be voting for? Yeah, who, Does he think Mike Vrabel's who, a big jerk? Who's been eliminated? That, that, that could be eliminated from his list if he and doesn't look, like the coach. Also, random thought here. Do you think the media, for the most part, I don't mean this as a – do you think they would vote for the bro coach or the nerd coach first? Like the analytical coach or – like you see where you see I'm going yeah, here? Yeah, they would, Zach Taylor they goes would, for it and you know, he gambles a bit like Staley does. I don't know that there'd be a much thought. Like just as soon as you said that, I thought to myself like – No? I don't know that anybody would be 
thinking of it on that level. Yeah, and I don't Maybe know a couple people. I, I don't know. Uh, it's a, I, I would think they would you would lean towards the maybe more sophisticated of the coaches if you're going that direction, Hutton. But I also don't know. Mike Vrabel is definitely a bro coach. Oh yeah, but well, he's got the bigger I don't personality. Know that that's the like two. the defining characteristic of, of Vrabel. Mike Vrabel and the job that he's done. Right, but the, I don't know. Like, the- to me, Staley's defining characteristic is going for on fourth down in spots that I think is stupid, but that he sees in his analytics is not being stupid. That's the epitome of the the analytics coach. I, but, I don't, but that's what I, I think I of him. I, don't, I, I, don't, think, I think the I think Vrabel's very old school in his Staley approach. Staley gets a ton of acknowledgement, though, because of how he uses analytics. Harbaugh is the same way in Baltimore. Um, Zach Taylor does it in Cincy. I mean, they, again, they watch how that game played out against the Chiefs, and that's all you need to know there. Again, I got Vrabel doesn't talk a whole lot of analytics. Right, the, but he the does organ, use that. He uses it, but not like no. he's not an analytics guy. He's not unquote. answering the questions pregame and postgame about it. No, right. Here's the other thing. I think they're both. This hurts them both uh, with the national voting panel. They're both very uh, low key. I mean, they're not out 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 there. They don't have big national profiles. Vrabel better known because of the playing career and all yeah. of that. Zach Taylor, most people couldn't pick off the street. Remember we had Zach Taylor Those on voters? at the combine? Nobody knew anything was going on at our table. I don't think anyone even knew <laughs> he was the head coach of the NFL. Yeah. Who's the draft analyst you have? Yeah. Right. He's just kind of walking around. I don't think he had any team gear on or anything. We're just, oh, who's this dude? No, but both of them are not. That That's where LaFleur squeezes in a little bit is that he's got uh, – I don't, also, I don't want to say gravitas because, I mean, Vrabel's got loads of that. No, but he's head of the table of one of the more, more storied yeah, organizations he's the head coach of the Packers, right. and they're yeah. on you national television all the time. Right. You don't see these other two guys. Interesting discussion. I, 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 let's table this for next week yeah. because yeah, the, be the, yeah, there'll be more discussion there. I need there. a vote in this. We, re, we reserve the right to complain about whoever wins next week. Bobby Carpenter is going to join us in an hour. until the yeah, uh, NFL happens. honors the week of the That's Super right. Bowl. That's right. Um, coming up, we discuss. <clears throat> excuse me. We discuss uh, college football from the perspective of what we've learned from bowl season, with the national championship being on Monday. It's hard for teams to carry over things to the next season based on whatever they do in the postseason uh, bowl schedule. But Chad has a, a handful of examples, and when we come back, we discuss the example of lessons learned from the Music City Bowl. That's next on Outkick Three Hundred and Sixty. Coming up. We have our props, Paul's props, for the NFL weekend, along with upsets for week 18. Uh, The last three weeks, we have nailed the upset picks. We've also hit on a couple of Paul's props props on the lowest scoring teams, for instance. I mean, uh, that's straight ahead. I got to do a better job of betting these games you guys put out. I always fall behind as I'm trying to do it as you're announcing them on the show, and then I end up not placing the bets that win. I, I need to get on the winning oh, we're track win again. you guys. We're winning again this, uh, this Sunday across the NFL. Uh, games actually kick off Saturday. Kansas City, for instance, uh, facing the Broncos Saturday afternoon. Um, Philly and Dallas, by the way, Saturday night, but Philly's due to COVID and just getting ready for the postseason, they're not going to play their starters. McCarthy continues to say he's going to play starters in this game, playing to win, and there's not a ton to gain for Dallas. I mean, there's a slim chance they can move to the second seed or the like lock down the three, but there's not much else 
to play for in this game. Don't, don't we have this every year where a couple of coaches insist all week long that and then they're they going to play their starters and then like they, yeah, you're right. they either play them a series or they don't or they don't play them and there's a big scratch list that comes out behind and then all the fantasy players get pissed off. Yeah, I mean that does happen. Um, and that's why most fantasy leagues are over right now, right? Yeah, I mean, people have started uh, uh, more leagues than not. not and Did you see A.J. Brown's response to someone yeah, that, that uh, responded on an Instagram you, post basically, or something? I don't care about your fantasy He's, well, team. Yeah, it was, we want. Bleep your fantasy team. <laughs> was his response when he got said, yeah, your two catches uh, really hurt me on my fantasy week, lost my my league, and... His response was, bleep your fantasy team. Well, remember, remember we, we, for those that don't know, we once did a show with Delaney Walker uh, here in Nashville, a player show with Delaney, and we did a segment every week where we read tweets about their fans' fantasy teams and what Delaney did or did not do for them and then had him respond That's live correct. on air to That's those tweets. But the amount of people that will just run down players based on their fantasy results is crazy. This trash talk, you know? Uh, yeah. And were they actually at them? I know. <laughs> they get after them on Twitter. And I, I love when players fight back with that. I think it's hilarious. Coming up at uh, 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern, we'll have uh, another quote from Antonio Brown. He has continued to speak on Tom Brady. That's coming up. Chad, what have we learned? Lessons learned from the Music City Bowl. One of the highest rated games, the second highest rated game of the bowl season. And one of the more exciting games that you're going to find in any bowl season. Overtime victory for Purdue. It was awesome. It was a blast. Uh, no, regardless of who you're rooting for or if you hate the refs or not, it was a great game. What did we take away from it? So, and I'm trying to, you know, with these five points that I learned during bowl season, kind of take something that's narrow and widen it out, broaden it to all of college football and takeaways that we know now moving forward. Music City Bowl, Tennessee and Purdue, great game. Uh, lesson number one is that there are actual Power 5 programs that want to play in a non-New Year 6, non-college football playoff bowl game. I think that's encouraging for bowls. Uh, it's not always the case that you get two teams this invested in playing. Um, Hutton, we ran into Scott Ramsey yesterday who, who runs the Music City Bowl uh, in the, in the uh, Nashville uh, conventions, uh, whatever it is. He basically runs all the sports events here Council. in Nashville. Yes, thank you. Nashville Sports Council. <laughs> it all runs together. Yeah, uh, the Convention Adventures Bureau Sports Council. But, um, you know, he said that they started canceling things the week of the game because of games being canceled, but that it was very clear from both Josh Heupel and Jeff Brom, the game is the priority. Right. They, they badly they, they wanted to play the, the game. Party. They wanted to get to the game right. and not have a COVID outbreak or not yep. have to, you know, not have the game. But the game mattered. And that's a big takeaway here is that this game actually mattered and players wanted to be there. They wanted to play. They put on a, a good show. And I think for the whole of college football, this is something I've talked a lot about. When you try to talk broad and you go too narrow, college football is talked about year-round on a national level, and rightfully so to an extent, about who's going to be in the playoff, who's going to win the national championship, what teams have a chance to win their conference to get into the playoff? That's the discussion all year. But this is a sport where goals are different for different programs. And I'm not trying to say, I don't want this to sound like everybody gets a trophy or communist talk or any of that. 
My point is, Tennessee and Purdue weren't playing for a national championship this year. They didn't go into the season thinking they had a shot at, a, at the college football playoff. But they had goals in mind. Their fan bases were realistic about what the teams were going into the season. Both teams over-delivered on preseason expectation. And it was a successful season for those teams, these individual teams. I think that's important for fan interest because if you're not a fan of one of the four teams always going to a playoff, what's the point? Well, this is the point. You can still watch every game with your team, be invested in that team, and know they don't have a shot at the playoff. I think this bowl game showed the enthusiasm of those two fan bases, and I think that's good for the sport. Of course, everyone plays for championships. You want to win every game, all of that. But let's be real. There are teams going into it that that's not their actual goal. It's not attainable. They're going into the season with different goals. Number two, people will watch non-consequential bowl games that entertain you. Nine million people, over 8.9 million, tuned in to the last 15 minutes. That was the end of regulation and overtime between Tennessee and Purdue. That was the most watched non-New Year 6, non-playoff game. 69,000 people in attendance set a Music City Bowl record. People paid a lot of money to go. The One of the big complaints was that the, the prices <laughs> were gouged. Once Tennessee was announced as a team, they took all the Tennessee fans' money, and the tickets were too expensive. That's a good problem to have. That's great. You had 69,000 people going to a game in Nashville. No guarantees on the weather being good at all. Usually it's bad that, for that game. And they packed the place out, and they spent a lot of money to do so. That's a good sign for some of these bowl games now in all of college football moving forward. And guys, the big one, and one I want to discuss with you, officiating must improve. I mean, we can't continue to just hide behind this. Boy, they're doing, it's a tough game to officiate. They're doing the best job they can. And let's not be too critical of the officials. And, you know, well, if Tennessee played better defense or if this team did that, then the officiating wouldn't matter. I don't care. It's all part of it. We got to talk about it all. Yes, Tennessee had a disastrous second quarter that lost them the game. Yes, their defense was terrible, giving up 670 yards of offense. All these things are true. It's also true that the officiating was awful, and we have to fix this to some extent. I'm not living in some make-believe world where there's never going to be an official's error in sports. It's going to happen. It cannot be this egregious and time and time again happening. Tennessee was involved in two of these this year, one was with a crew that screwed up another game this year yeah. and then screwed up the Tennessee Ole Miss game. These crews need to be weeded out. There is a problem with officials as a whole. There's not enough for high school games around. We need people to officiate games. It's a tough existence, but we've got to get it better. There's got to be more accountability. We've got to improve it. I don't know that I have all the answers of how to improve it. We just need better refs. We need better football officials uh, in college football because... There are a lot of existential threats against college football. NIL, transfer portal, coaches making way too much money and holding schools hostage. These are problems that are going to affect the sport long term. Let's correct, correct one that we can if you're college football. And that is officiating being a joke. Because the integrity of the game can't be compromised when you're watching them. I don't know that they can correct it. I don't know that they know. We don't know how to correct it. I don't think they know how to correct it. I don't know that they take it seriously enough. The powers that be understand how much it hurts their game. But I'm not even sure if it hurts their game as much as they think. Because well, 
we get really fired up about it, and it's one of the big storylines, and they love big storylines. But how do you fix it? We sit down and we have the conversation about it. It's a sucky job. You, You get yelled at even when you make the right call. Half of the people hate you. And... I don't know how you fix it, and I don't know that they think it's as big a problem as as well, we know it is. A part of the problem I think that they have is so um, football zebras. It may be another account. Yeah, they're a bunch of good accounts. Um, they put out the list of all of the bowl games and the official assignments, and then they tag in like the NFL. Like there's a symbol by one of the officials' names and on any crew, and sometimes they have them, sometimes they don't for the NFL program like the NFL's looking into adding them to a pile of this guy might be in the possibilities for the for the the NFL Um, and they're doing that for bowl games that's cool uh, from the college aspect of things so they're they're like looking at guys to see if they're ready to make the step up the problem I saw though that really stood out to me is it's not like the the NFL playoffs where the the top rated crews graded crews get acknowledgement for wildcard weekend, divisional round. And by the way, if you're a divisional round official, there will be one of those four games that will be considered the crew that will, or, or the, the white hat, the head referee that will officiate the Super Bowl. That always comes from the divisional round. And then you have the conference championship. Again, like the best officials, according to the league, get those games. The thing that stood out to me about the college bowl season very rarely do you see a crew repeat, like, okay, you have the Bahamas Bowl on December 17th. It's rare that that crew would repeat the next week on another game. It doesn't work again. There are so many bowl games that it's impossible not to have some very average to below average officials for that season refing games. So they should because be everybody, the best crews. They weave in everybody and assign different crews to different cities. Um, I think it's been ex- extremely hard with uh, the, the last two years with COVID on how they're doing all this, but um, and th- just from a scheduling standpoint and where they're coming from and where they're going, again, well, it's also uh, the it's rule all a mess. You, you can't have uh, one of the team's conference officials in right. the game. Yeah, so you have so to mix and match. Music City Bowl, you couldn't have an SEC crew or right. a Big Ten Which crew is per- right. because of Makes favoritism. Sense. Makes total sense. So they go with an ACC crew, um, a third party. But it, but. And that's there, who screwed there up that game. There are forty plus bowl games, and there are probably thirty crews that call these games. It's not like the best of the best. It's just, did you ref a game this? Did, did you call a game this season? Great, we'd love to have you. <laughs> I mean, it's and, and, and I wish there was a way to eliminate that and actually have. I, I want the best crews to call five bowl games if they can. Yes, if they're taking off the month of December and they can work, 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 and get more reps and and do more games. But again, the problem is you run into you can't do it because they would then cross over into one of their teams in their conference in a game. Exactly, and they they have to avoid that. So it is a big jigsaw puzzle that 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 uh, football referees association federation whatever it is they have to put together for bowl season. Again, I don't have the answers on how to do it. I'm just acknowledging the problem. I don't have the solution right now because it's pretty easy to say fix your refs. But that's what needs to happen. I don't know how you go about doing that unless you just find better refs. But there's not enough people that are football officials at the junior and high school level. So, so the, the feeding system is off right now. An example, the the head ref 
for the national championship game on Monday. As you might imagine, uh, Dwayne Height is his name. He is a part of the NFL evaluation program, their development pool of refs. So the, the, the lead official, by all accounts, is the best of the best in college because the NFL is looking at him to add him to uh, future crews down the line. Now he's a uh, ACC. Okay, he's ACC. That's what I've got. So the Cotton Bowl, Alabama, Cincinnati had Pac-12. And the Orange Bowl, Michigan, Georgia had Big 12. And the national championship has ACC. There you go. So, uh, all, I mean, those those the, conferences all should have good officiating crews. Should, their top absolutely. crew should be really good. Is it their top crew? I would presume you're going and getting their top crew. But do they grade their crews? We don't know any of the mechanics of that, do we? No, but they, they have an official, like, they, they have a, a system that oversees all college football refs and officials. I think so, you also need um, – remember how the, we, we said there was a time where the Titans didn't make a big enough problem and issue with the NFL disciplining they got a crew demoted, right. they got by demoted demoting the them to the Titans yeah, game against the Dolphins and how that was their punishment was to, to officiate the Titans crew. game. Um, that does need to happen more often from a common-sense standpoint. And the example I'll go back to again is the crew that botched the Tennessee Ole Miss game was the same crew that botched the Mississippi State-Memphis game yes. a few weeks before. So Give them less profile I'm not game. saying fire them after that game, but you know th- they should get Missouri-Eastern Michigan yes. that week if that's a game. I mean, just like we look at the schedule and say, well, that's going to be the SEC Network 11 a.m. game. This is going to be on SEC Network alternate at 3 p.m. because it's the worst games of the week. Tennessee Ole Miss was on ESPN at night in front of a charged-up, festive crowd, big atmosphere. That crew Make sure that, gets that a good just crew. screwed up a game can't be assigned that game. Yeah, certain games they should, should go get down an asterisk the yes. that they get a good that, crew. That was a game in a time window that deserved one of your two best crews. And I think the NFL does that. And certainly in the playoffs, NFL's not transparent enough on all of this stuff. But we do know playoff games get good crews who are there based on their performance during the regular season. That's reasonable, sensible, and something that they're transparent on. They're not transparent on enough other stuff. Agreed. Coming up, we have our prop bets and our NFL upsets for the upcoming Saturday and Sunday of Week 18 games. That's next on OutKick 360. So glad you're with us this afternoon. Friday edition coming up in about 30 minutes. Bobby Carpenter will join us. We'll preview Bobby. the national championship game between Alabama and Georgia. Looking forward to that. Would it change the way you guys thought of Bobby Carpenter if he went by Robert Carpenter? Would he yes. be more serious? No, I it would sounded like, it like we were like kind of like a Dr. William Carmichael type. <laughs> that sounded like we're talking to a professor. I don't generally love Bobby. Dr. Robert Carpenter will be joining us in 30 minutes. I don't generally love Bobby's, but he's a Bobby. Sorry, I didn't Bobby. Mean, kind of cut into your segment here. but That was fine. Just a thought that I had. Coming up, uh, so Robert Carpenter joins us today Robert, at 320. Dr. Robert Carpenter. That's right. Us. We will also uh, talk with Austin Price and Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. That will be in the final hour of today's program. Right now, though, some upset picks for you for NFL Week 18. And I'm starting... And I've picked out two games with playoff implications where I'm actually betting on the team at fandle.com slash OK360. 
for the upset, starting with the Atlanta Falcons. I'm betting the Falcons to upset the Saints this week. Um, and I'm going back to a previous matchup already played this season between the divisional opponents. The Saints need some help to get in the postseason, and one of those things that they have to do is win this week. So there's a lot at stake for New Orleans. But Atlanta has been very good in one-possession games this season. They're 7-2 and two this season in one-possession games. They won the previous matchup by two points, and it was Matt Ryan's, I, I don't know if it was his best game. It has to be up there. He threw for 340-plus yards, two touchdowns. This week, Atlanta is definitely going to feed Kyle Pitts as he goes for the rookie tight end record to pass Mike Ditka's record for most receiving yards in a rookie season. I, I like Atlanta to win outright against New Orleans, and I like San Francisco over L.A. They have won five straight games over the Los Angeles Rams. Jimmy Garoppolo, it, based on reports coming out of practice, it sounds like he's going to play in this game. Uh, they're not going back to Trey Lance. They're going back to Garoppolo. And look, I, while San Francisco's banged up in the secondary, for whatever reason, they have L.A.'s number. And San Fran has it much, as much at stake in this game as L.A. does. L.A. can wrap up and win their division um, with, with a win. San Fran needs to keep pace maybe. and get in. And I, I'm taking the 49ers in this. They can run the football. Elijah Mitchell is back. And uh, they've been doing great things with Devo Samuel. I'm taking San Fran over L.A. outright. So my two upset picks this week, Paul, I'm going with Atlanta and San Francisco. How about the props? A $10 parlay, yeah. if you do that, would net you about 60 bucks. by the way, just for those Perfect. wanting to bet on, on FanDuel. I've got three props for you. I will give you them in descending order of confidence. Uh, okay. Saints-Falcons will be the lowest <clears throat> scoring game on Sunday. That's plus 750. I just don't envision either of these teams putting up many points. Yeah, I tend to agree. Low scoring game. Uh, number two, highest scoring team of the weekend is going to be the LA Chargers. That's plus 950. They're averaging 33.8 in their last five. They scored 28 against Vegas in the first game back in week four. I think it's going to be a high scoring game on both sides, but I think Herbert given a chance to lead his team to the playoffs, is going to go sick on national TV on Sunday night. And what a fun bet. Yes. You bet on them to, to score the most points on the weekend. You know what the number is going into that game, and you root for them to, to go get it. Uh, but the best bet of the weekend to me is for the Giants to be the lowest scoring team on Sunday. Jake Fromm will be quarterbacking Giants. He's completing 41.4% of his passes. He's hitting 3.69 yards an attempt. Uh, his passer rating is 37.6, and this is a plus 950 bet for the Giants to be the lowest scoring a, team. It is on a great Sunday. bet because they, since uh, Daniel Jones went out on IR, they average a little over eight points per game. His backup, by the way, is Mike Glennon. So when they pull the plug on him, they'll they, be going Daniel to the, Jones is making some money on that bench. <laughs> it has been horrible. Really showing his value when he wasn't in there. What was the first one, Paul? Lowest scoring game? Saints? Lowest scoring game, Saints Falcons. Saints Falcons. Plus 750. So uh, Saints-Falcons, lowest scoring, plus 750. Uh, Chargers, high scoring, plus 950. Giants, lowest scoring, plus 950. Bobby Carpenter joins us in about 25 minutes, but when we come back, Antonio Brown continues to speak on Tom Brady and tries to compare himself and his value to Brady and Gronkowski. That's, again, yeah, exact, exactly, Paul. He, he will not stop talking. 
And the latest quote is a head scratcher, much like Antonio Brown, period. That's next on Outkick 360. Shh.